Greetings and welcome to another edition of Sounds Like Comics. I'm Gareth. And I'm Adam. This week we are talking about the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Happy New Year as well. Yes, welcome, welcome <laughs> one and all. Um, yeah, why not? Why not finish off the holiday season with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? They did a holiday special. I think it's. I think it's. I think we did well to hold off reviewing until now. I think so too. It was because it's it's an episode that's just kind of in the middle of nothing because it's not so much a part of season one or season two. So I think it's fitting that we were we're gonna chuck that in. in yeah, well. um, straight out of the gate, I'll say that I really enjoyed that they did a holiday special that didn't just completely derail the main story. Yeah, it actually continued it quite well and sort of gave you a bit of a like, like almost like you know a taste of things to come. Definitely, it's a it's a massive bugbear of mine, and it's such a holdover thing from TV shows of days gone by, where a Christmas special or a Thanksgiving special or something like that will just be completely unessential and also lame as hell. Yep, yep. It's almost always a filler episode, and yeah. this was a nice change of pace for that. It actually felt like, all right, cool, you've developed some more character stuff. It, yeah, it worked really well, I thought. Unless it's The Simpsons. They usually do pretty good Christmas well, stuff. Well, yeah, they, they get away with a lot of things from season one to ten, don't they? They do, they really do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, we do hope that you had a great uh, festive season and, and healthy new year, and uh, of course, it's now 2019, and well, it's going to be a big year, I'm hoping. So we'll kick off with uh, something that sort of just came out. When did it come out? Was it around the Halloween time, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the um, the season kind of dropped all at once on Halloween. Yeah. Um, and then the Netflix, ne- Netflix, Netflix release. I, cre- I, I think I read somewhere, was it originally meant to be CW? Yeah, because it was, um, I believe it was tied in originally with the Riverdale kind of release schedule. And they were planning on a lot more kind of crossovers and that sort of thing with the Riverdale universe. And then they kind of realized that, because um, it's the same... Um, editorial creator, uh, okay. Roberto um, Aguirre-Sacasa, who's actually the writer of the Afterlife with Archie and Sabrina comics oh. at the moment, which is pretty cool. Um, he's now the creative head of Archie comics in general, which is pretty awesome that he's gone from doing like weird kind of horror offshoots of the Archie universe to running their entire company almost. Wow. I think that's pretty nifty. He's got the keys to the castle. That's it. Um, working in a comic shop, how well does Archie sell? Is there a big market for this? There, You would be amazed what a big kind of audience there is for classic Archie, like the Digests and the Betty and Veronica Digests and that sort of thing. The modern comics that Fiona Staples and Mark Wade rebooted. And even for the weird offshoot horror stuff like this, there's a crazy big audience for it. It's something that I guess I've, I've never read Archie. or I mean, when you're young, you know, some you go around some old relative's house and... And they've just got a stack of them stack sitting of old there. Archies. Yeah. Apart from that, I've never read any sort of uh, modern Archie or any Archie really in general. I think I picked up one of the crossovers they did with The Punisher or something yeah, once upon a time. I remember that one. Or The Predator one, the I think Archie I got. The Archie Predator one was a couple of years ago, wasn't yeah, it? That yeah. was bizarre but fantastic. Well, I got that because of the, the, the characters they were interacting with rather than the main thing. But yeah, I, I was... Kind of wondering watching this just how popular it is yeah it's um the only thing that the sabrina the chilling adventures of sabrina comic and the afterlife with archie comic struggle with these days is because the writer is so busy with all the tv show stuff now and running the company itself the issues come out once in a blue moon oh, that, which, yeah. is a, which is a big problem with this kind of stuff if you're an independent kind of comic and you're getting that buzz around you and getting that leg, getting those legs under you in terms of support. You need to make sure you've got a regular release schedule. Even if you get to the end of a story arc and you announce a break or something like that, it makes it so much easier for fans to kind of stay invested. Yeah, I mean, you got to strike while the iron's hot, and obviously, having a TV show it is a best time as ever. No question. But um, I think Sex Criminals recently in their comics. Just a little offshoot. Um, I think Fraction at the end of one of them was like, this wraps up this season of the comic. So yeah. they're going to be releasing the comic in seasons within a year. So they don't have to do an, an issue every 
every month of the year, which they never yeah. fucking did anyway. And Brian K. Vaughan, I think, did the same thing with Saga, didn't he? Um, he announced that there was going to be like, Saga. oh, dude, yeah, well worth your time. Yeah. Well, you've got a year now because they're taking a year break, so you've got plenty oh. of time to catch up on it. How many issues? Uh, 54. Okay. Something like that. And I catch that might up just on my be the studio. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so far behind. Oh, dude, but, um, aren't we all? Aren't we all? So, uh, yeah, that's why we're going to dump more episodes of you know the podcast, more TV shows to recommend to you. So you all fall, be- fall behind the same way we are. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, as usual, we are going to be giving out spoilers in this one because you've probably had enough time to run through it if you haven't seen the show and uh, are listening to this and you don't want things to be spoiled. Maybe revisit it once you're done. Because Yeah, give yourself a little pause button now. Have a have a have a watch of the show. See what you think. If you like it, if you dig it, or you just want to hear our response to it, by all means, stay tuned. Yeah, if you don't want to watch it and want to find out how it all goes, so you don't have to watch it, we'll try and cover you there too. Yeah, exactly. We, you know, this is what we do. It sounds like comics. We try and give you a little bit of everything. We give you the option, and the choice is yours. Get amongst it. <laughs> all right. So the comic for Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I believe, was first published in about 2015. Um, so it's not really that old comparatively. Was she a, like was Sabrina a character in the old Archie comics, like the old old ones? Yeah, the the original Archie stuff. Sabrina was the Sabrina the Teenage Witch stuff was published by Archie Comics back in the day. Oh, so this Chilling Adventures is a separate thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so they um okay. they had a whole thing where Sabrina popped up in like the Jughead reboot comics, and she was like they dated for a couple of weeks and that sort of thing. And she was a witch. She was a witch. That was that was kind of established. Okay, um, it's kind of why they moved her to a different town to Riverdale. So it's like almost at the city limits back in the day. You know, you're talking like sort of 40s, 50s, 60s yeah. kind of style before the Comics Code of Authority and that sort of thing kicked in, kicked in big style and said no witchcraft in comics and that sort of thing. Okay, I can't imagine the witchcraft side of it being that deep anyway. You'd be surprised how really? you'd be surprised how crazy people got with that kind of stuff. Like you're talking post McCarthyism America, where like Reds under the bed and that sort of thing as well. People uh, were people were paranoid as fuck about anything that had you know not good traditional American values. And people say people are easily offended in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the kind of break between Greendale and Riverdale. It was almost like the two universes. They existed side by side. Very rarely did people kind of cross over into one and the other. Um, But it was also to keep the rules sort of separate. So it's like magic was a definite thing in the in the Sabrina universe. It happened, the, almost like Bewitched. Oh, yeah. Stuff, stuff happened. It affected the real world, that sort of thing. Whereas in Riverdale, it was kind of in that whole time loop where stuff happened, but nobody aged. Traditional kind of comic style. Yeah, you whereas, don't... Whereas Sabrina, Sabrina in, the, in the original Digest and that sort of thing, she still grew up. Oh, she okay. She went to college, that sort of thing. So there was oh. that whole kind of like... She still was being a, being a human being and living her life, but she was also half-witch. So there was that whole sort of aspect to it. So would this television show be more based on these this more modern Sabrina very, adventures very much rather so. than Sabrina the Teenage Witch? It's kind of it's one of the interesting things that they've gone with they, the style of clothing and um, just the tone of a lot of the music that they use. It definitely has that kind of not so much sixties vibe, but it has that kind of elements of it where they're almost trying to have their cake and eat it too. Where they keep the time frame. Notice they don't actually say what year it is. Mm, I actually really dug the music to it throughout the whole thing as well. Fantastic music choices all the way through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they make it. They made a real effort to not say what year, so they don't date it exactly. Yeah. So it kind of it's vague enough that you can kind of immerse yourself in the universe and not be beholden to. Oh, when's this supposed to be happening? When's this? When's that? Why isn't Trump being on the TV talking about stuff? 
the thing that I think most people would remember or relate to was the uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch TV show with Melissa Joan Hart. Very was, much so. Uh, was that 90s? 96, I think, off the yeah. top of my head. Um, it ran for a while too, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was about five seasons, six yeah. seasons, something like that. Yeah, it Melissa went, Joan Hart and uh, Salem the Cat who spoke. I, I never really watched a lot of it, but it was always there. So I would see bits and pieces of yeah, it. Yeah, noted wrestling fanatic, Sabrina, um, Melissa Joan Hart. Really? Feuded with Kevin Owens on Twitter, believe it or not. <laughs> That's awesome. Because reasons. Well, why not, right? <laughs> um, I always loved Salem, the, the talking oh, such cat. such a great character. It was always good. I love Salem in, in this, but we'll get to him later. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so this is this Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is definitely focused on the um, the adaptation for the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina comic, which came out about 2015, which was actually a spin-off of the Afterlife with Archie universe. Okay. Um, because in the um, Afterlife with Archie comics, she Sabrina is actually the one who's responsible for the zombie outbreak. Because um, Jughead's dog, uh, hot dog, okay. gets hit by a car, like a hit and run kind of thing. Yeah. And it's you know vaguely known that Sabrina's a witch and she can pull off some magic and that kind of thing. And she actually does a necromancy resurrection spell on the dog, which brings him back from the dead as a zombie and has unintentional consequences. Sabrina zombie be- dog. Yeah. Sounds great. He's the, he's the patient zero, bites Jughead. Jughead becomes the first zombie and then the zombie outbreak spreads from there. Um, it sounds hilarious. It's so good. It's so dark. Yeah. It's, okay. Honestly, it's one of the most fucked up horror comics of the last kind of decade. Like oh, it's man. so unexpected how good it is. But um, Sabrina in the Afterlife with Archie stuff, she gets locked away in basically limbo by the powers of magic for breaking the rules and using magic to bring somebody back from the dead, kind of like they do in the TV show. She gets punished oh, okay. for breaking the rules of magic because you perform a ritual or a spell that has to be give and take. Like you mm-hmm. have to give something back or take something back from the universe to keep that balance. Like the craft. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's very much like that. Um, so she gets banished for a year into limbo slash hell which means she's not there to undo the spell, which means the zombie outbreak spreads and spreads and spreads. And, and there's therefore can have it. more issues of the comic. Exactly. Rightio. Yeah, so yeah. interesting way to do it. I, but the yeah. um, I've never read any of it, but um, it's it's all a bit interesting. But um, yeah, I, th- I think the TV show was quite enjoyable for the most part. Yeah, definitely. So the comic book itself, um, one thing I love, and it seems to be getting, it seems to be happening more and more, the title cards and all the like intro credits and that sort of thing, they're actually done by the artist from the comic book, uh, a guy called Robert Hack. Okay. And we noticed in the co- in the TV show that when Harvey's doing a lot of his sketching, because he's an artist as well, a lot of the sketches he does are actually by that same artist. That's awesome. It's Which like I think in, is um, fucking it's like, in uh, like in Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones when it was uh, David Mack. David Mack, Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Very similar kind of thing. And it's... iZombie as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Michael Allred, who's the, who was the artist on the original iZombie comic, he does all the credits. Is that TV show still going? I think it's wrapped up. Okay. I vaguely think. I'm pretty sure. I know it went to four seasons. I can't remember if they finished it up or not. I've got issue one. I'm just wondering if it's worth anything yet. Oh, definitely. Okay, sweet. Jump, jump on eBay after this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, the, whenever I saw the title credits of Sabrina, I wondered if it was actually legit from the comic because it looked very cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely by the same artist. Um, yeah, so the the main the main actress, Kin and Shipko, most people, if you recognize her from anything, you'll probably recognize her as the daughter from Mad Men. Really? Yeah. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, she is. Um, she is Don Don Draper's daughter in uh, Mad Men. Oh wow! I did not did not even no? pick that wow. up. No. Yeah. The, um, yeah. I think it's it's the weird kind of half smile she's got on her face 
all the time. Like that that look is just burned in my brain from Mad Men because she always looked like she was either gonna start laughing at her mum and dad or just throw a massive hissy fit. <laughs> there was the no house down. <laughs> there was no middle ground on it. And she kind of has that same vibe in Sabrina as well. Like there's that sense of fun and mischief, mm. which I think she does a really good job with. Um, especially because for those who don't for those who don't know the story of Sabrina the teenage witch, she's born of a human and a witch. Uh, her mum is a mortal woman. Her dad is a witch of a warlock of high renown. Um, they die in a plane crash and she's raised by her aunts, um, Hilda and Zelda. Who are both witches. Who are both witches. And so she's kind of, she's raised with one foot in both worlds because they don't want to, her, the last wish, for, wish from her father was to make sure that she was aware of her heritage, but also not to forget. Mm. Um, so they kind of raise her in both sides. In the um, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Hilda and Zelda run a funeral home which I think is really cool. It gives it that kind of gothic sort of vibe and it gives you a lot of the the tropes of something that features witchcraft. It, you manage to build in that kind of weird sort of tone without needing to have too much other window dressing and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's cool that they live in like a mortuary and funeral yeah, home. I thought it was like a cool sort of central yeah. plot, central place for it all to sort of, uh, yeah, happen. Absolutely, yeah. Because in the, um, the Melissa, Melissa Joan Hart TV show, it's very brightly coloured, very pastel kind of looking and they're te- I think they're teachers. I couldn't tell. I, I, think, I, I think Zelda yeah, is a teacher and I think Hilda is like, she just kind of bumbles around at home making jams and that sort of thing. She's just more of a more of a layabout sort of character, mm. which is always kind of, you know, it's the whole odd couple sort of thing where sisters are related by blood, but they don't share a lot else in common sort of thing. Yeah, and that, that, that oh, 90s Sabrina was more comedic and funny and hard. Yeah, it was more of a sitcom kind of style. Yeah, thing. this yeah. is a lot darker. Yeah, um, the, the humour is a lot more in that kind of sort of noir, sort of dark approach, yeah, isn't it? It does have its lighter moments, but it also doesn't shy away from being pretty damn dark, which I really like about it. Yeah, that's that's one thing I'll definitely say out of the gate. Um, it's not for... It probably isn't for kids. Oh, definitely like, not. You, you, you don't uh, really teens. want... Teens. Yeah, you don't really want your 10 or 11-year-old wandering around in the background because there is some pretty, you know, pretty messed up stuff happening in terms of bloodletting and spells and zombie crazy shit going on. There's occasional gore. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of that. But um, I liked that they didn't... Like you said, I liked that they didn't shy away from it being a bit darker. Like, it's called Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. There's a lot of satanic rituals and references and that sort of thing. Yeah. Which there would be in that kind of thing. Well, yeah, it's not this uh, like saying about the old one being committing kind of funny. And ah, ha, ha, I'm a witch. I'm gonna, you know, make you. I don't know, fart out sherbet or something silly. <laughs> the show would do. I don't know why that came to my head as the first funny thing they could do. Um, I'm gonna blame Christian Slater. Sure, um, <laughs> he probably snort it too. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it has a very serious side to it, and it kicks off at a really interesting place. Um, well, actually, first of all, they're watching Night of the Living Dead, which little references to other horror things in this as a lifelong horror fan, which I started very young, I think is absolutely awesome. They're having the, the debate about fast and slow zombies, so I'm like, straight off the bat, I'm like, all right, cool, cool. You've got my attention. Yeah, absolutely. And even the fact that when they're hanging out in the coffee shop, the bookshop, coffee shop, bookshop thing that's in the city, it's called Cerberus. Mm. It's like, oh, perfect. You've already got like three horror references straight out of the gate. Yeah. Perfect, I'm on board. Yeah, lots of like nostalgic sort of horror nods in there as well. And uh, basically this is all taking place before uh, Sabrina's 16th birthday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and when a witch turns 16, they have to, um, oh, I need to go over my notes. What's the yeah, actual? Yeah, they need, they need to like sign their name in the book of in the book of the uh, Path of Night, I think it is. Yeah, the uh, Dark Baptism. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have to sign their name in this book and basically give themselves over to the Dark Lord. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like an inversion 
version of the the baptism of you know turning sweet 16 and you know giving yourself over to jesus and saving yourself for marriage that kind of thing. it's kind of like yeah. a, a messed up satanic this could be like that. a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah as well like yeah, i guess yeah exactly like, yeah, and uh, meanwhile, this is taking place as well. There's a character called Mrs. Wardwell. Yes, um, and um, this is quite early as well in the show. Yeah, so she's um, she's kind of just a generic sort of you know science teacher looking kind of character who's friends with Sabrina. Who's friends with Sabrina, but she um, she gets a knock at the door really late at night, and you don't really know what's going on at this point. Whether like whether she's going to turn out to be more important or something like that. Um, and she almost immediately gets killed yeah. in a pretty vicious and bloody fashion. It gets your attention, especially being quite early in the first episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, and she gets replaced with um, a different character. Like this new character shows up and basically skins her and starts to wear her body. Yeah, she takes over the uh, Mrs. Wardwell character. I I was reading over the wiki and they referred to it as Lady Satan. Yes. Yeah. Which is the same name. Madam Satan is the character's Madam name Satan, in, sorry. in yeah, the comic books, I believe. Yeah. I, don't, I, I think you're right. In this, she's kind of called known as Lady Satan. Yeah. Um, which is kind of weird. Like, it's almost vague, like, how much... The, it's one thing I didn't like about this character is it's vague how much power she has at any one time, whether it is tied in with the time of year being Halloween, whether it's tied in with her being in favour with Satan and doing his bidding. They kind of chopped and changed that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, all you really need to know is that she's not Mrs. Wardwell anymore, although we'll keep referring to her as Wardwell just for namesake. Exactly. Um, um, the, the actress who plays her, uh, Michelle Gomez, most people will know her as Missy from Doctor Who. I don't watch Doctor Who. She was the um, the female version of the Master okay. who popped up, I think, in the um, the last bit of the uh, David Tennant stuff and the, oh, sorry, the Matt Smith stuff. And then the beginning of the Peter Capaldi run. I think she did a great job. She's in this, though. awesome. She, is, she was fantastic. And, think- and just going back to the um, the the, the uh, actress who plays Sabrina, fantastic job. Oh, absolutely. Like, a lot of the acting in this is fantastic. I it's, really dug it. It was one thing I really appreciated. Like even um, the char- the actress actresses who play uh, Hilda and Zelda, uh, Miranda Otto, <sighs> holy shit, absolutely loved so them. So good. And Lucy Davis as well does a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah, that they were oh, they were they were just top notch. Um, one thing about um, Michelle Gomez, uh, for anyone who's not aware. Uh, thick Glaswegian accent in real life. Okay. Yeah, so to, wow. to kind of tramp that down and make sure that she can put across this kind of Southern Belle sort of accent, um, I think she did a fantastic job. Yeah. So, okay, we're um, leading into the, uh, obviously, the lead up to Sabrina's 16th birthday, which is going to take place on Halloween, because, of course. Naturally. And um, <clears throat> her aunties are sort of letting you know how it's going to work, what's going to happen, the things she has to do. Yeah. She has herself a boyfriend named Harvey. And, um, yeah, very traditional from the comics, um, Harvey. In uh, traditional in terms of him being there and kind of you know wanting to be part of her life and all that sort of thing, uh, being a little bit em- oblivious to what's going on with her real life. Mm. Uh, in the comics and in the um, TV show, the original um, Melissa Joan Hart TV show, he was more of kind of a football jock. Okay, he doesn't really have that in this show. He's no. more he's more of an artsy kind of, and I think it works better. Yeah, like why would somebody who comes from this kind of background like Sabrina? Why would she have any interest in a football jock? Yeah, and there are jocks in it later on, like yeah. t- typical jocks, and yeah. they they serve a good purpose. Absolutely, but we'll get to that later. One of the things that if she takes on, if she goes through with her dark baptism and, and signs her name over in the uh, in the book, um, I, I have the name of the book written in my notes somewhere. I have so many notes; it's, <laughs> it's just a class to fuck. But anyway, and um, but yeah, she basically has to you know has to leave him. Yeah, she has to forego all her connections to the mortal world. And has spend- to leave her high school, leave her best friends because she's got two main friends in the show. And uh, has to leave her boyfriend, which yeah. is, she's none too keen about doing. No, that's it. And, you know, it's a big thing that they touch back on is that 
Sabrina's very aware of her history of being, you know, half mortal and half witch. She doesn't want to leave. leave she doesn't want to lose that mortal part of herself. Well, she's grown she, up mortal, basically. Yeah, and she still has that connection to her mother. She doesn't still doesn't understand exactly what happened with the plane crash and that sort of thing. Um, but she feels like if she gives up that mortal side of her, that's her last bit of connection to her mother. So she's very reluctant to give that up because as nice as it would be to be a full witch and be part of the, the coven and all that kind of thing. And be able to do all the cool stuff they can do. Exactly. But she still feels that connection to her mother, to her friends, to her boy, to her Harvey, to the town itself of Greendale. Um, so there's that constant struggle kind of going on of her not really fitting in either side, which I yeah. think they handled really well. I think they, the, the balance of this show is really good. And uh, obviously she, she eventually tells her boyfriend Harvey that she has to leave high school and join the Academy of Unseen Arts and is going to be born again through a dark baptism and all that. And he's, uh, he's, he's none too sure about it. Yeah, he's, he's so unsure that she basically has to wipe his memory. Yeah, she, <laughs> she <laughs> met him like flashbulbs him. Uh, they also, in the first, because we're still in the first episode, they also, uh, they, they mess with their principal and like, Riddle his house with spiders. Yeah, and good old Bronson Pinchot. Yeah, playing a, playing a creeper. <laughs> <laughs> playing a creep as only he can. Yeah, um, Belky from Perfect Strangers. Anyway, they they uh they they fuck him up by um releasing like this big horde of spiders in his house. And I am that petrif- would fuck me up I am as well. Petrified I hate of spiders. spiders. So I am much. Me too. Such an absolute bitch when it comes to spiders, and that yeah. just made my skin crawl. <laughs> um, one other thing she has to do in the first episode as well is get a uh, familiar. Correct. Which yep. ends up being Salem. That's right. Um, that's This is one thing I didn't like necessarily, is you get a brief moment of Salem kind of talking to her, whether it's through telepathy or with a familiar connection. They don't really specify. It's, it's not a puppet like the old one. That no, of, it's an actual. It, that cracks wise <laughs> with um, some elderly gentleman sounding voice. That's right. Yeah, there's, there is sort of like a telepathic sort of connection. But, yeah, but, um, but it only happens in the first episode. Yeah, I feel they could have played a bit more into that. I love Salem for everything he did in this, and I'm a big animal lover, and I think the cat's adorable, and just more Salem in the following yeah, seasons. On the, on the Meltzer scale of cats, five stars? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. As, as, we, as, we, uh, as we went through during the uh, Inhumans episode with Lockjaw, I'm, I'm a sucker for any like household pets in movies. Yeah, unless yeah. they're spiders. Oh fuck that! Like, <laughs> oh man, just that—that that scene when they go to uh, oh, go so, to the principal, just so it's fucked up. up. Yeah. Um, okay, so in episode two, we meet the uh, the high priest of the um, oh, what is it? The Academy of Unseen of Arts. Unseen Arts. Yeah, yeah, so he's, he's Reverend... kind of like the the head priest, the high priest. He's... Yeah, he's kind of the leader of the coven. He he's the teacher who all the all the students look up to at the school. He's the the leader of the community for witches and that sort of thing. So his name is um Father Blackwood and he's played by Richard Coyle, who is a very well known British actor who's been in tons and tons of other things. He does uh, such a good job. He's such a creepy fucker. Yeah, he, he does really a great is job, creepy. Eh? But he's also he plays the like authoritarian figure quite well. And uh, Sabrina meets with him to find out, you know, what what's this all about? And he's basically sort of telling her about how it's, you know, going to be very empowering and, you know, it's going to be this great thing and you'll come come to us at the academy and We'll teach you this and teach you that. You'll yeah. be a very powerful witch, and basically tells her all the all the all the all best the cool parts shit, about yeah. it. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. yeah, one thing. One thing that uh, they really rushed the whole lawsuit, like when the lawyer gets involved, because um, she basically is trying to find. Oh, okay, some, we're she, jumping that far ahead. I, I can't remember how far ahead that is. Yeah. Okay, that's. I think that's episode three. Uh, let's not go there. Then. Okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, basically, she she's like seems like okay, cool. He he 
spins a good yarn and, mm. and she's all aboard to have her dark baptism and fucking go team. Um, and she visits, obviously visits the Academy and we get introdu- introduced to who I called the, uh, the, the three bitches. The bitches uh, of Eastwick. Yeah. The yeah. bitches of Eastwick. Yeah. It's these are uh, three girls at school who are like the, uh, the mean girls, if you will, yeah. from the mean girls movie. And they kind of play up that these, um, these three other students, they're all technically orphans. So mm. they don't really have a connection to anything but the coven. Yeah. So they're very protective of the Academy. They're very protective of witches in general. And they don't trust Sabrina at all because she's half mortal. Yeah, and because they call her a half breed and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like you said, um, it's very typical mean girl. It's kind of bullying. Yeah, sort they're, of they're total bitches, and they play it so well. The uh, I guess the head one is called Prudence. Yep, absolutely loved her. Yeah, so good. Loved so, her so, so much. Good. Just stunningly beautiful massive, as well. Massive future in, and, uh, in the, films. What are the other names of the other two? Oh um, god, it was um. It's uh, one of them's called Dorcas, and that just <laughs> fucking slayed <laughs> I me. About that, because all it makes me <laughs> oh, think so of good. is um is the Simpsons when Bart's talking to Lisa. He's like, "You are what they say in Latin is a Dorcas <laughs> Malorcas." <laughs> That's not Latin. Oh, um, so oh good. god, hang on, I'll go down my notes. I've got the got the other one's name. Um, oh, I couldn't. I can't believe I forgot about Agatha. It. Agatha and Dorcas. Agatha and Dorcas, and Prudence is like the I guess the the head of the uh, bitches. Um. I love the idea of just like make, trying to expect your audience to just roll with a name like Dorcas as well. Yeah, well, there's a lot of those kind of old school kind of names and stuff <laughs> like that. But yeah, I just uh, just sort of made me <laughs> chuckle. Um, oh, I'm not gonna think of anything else now. I'm just I'm stuck on Dorcas. Dorcas Malorcas. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Latin. Oh, um, so meanwhile, Sabrina tries to uh, semi befriend the bitches to get back at these school yeah. bullies who are pestering one of her high school friends before she has to bail on them and join the academy. Yeah, she's. Uh, um, she's dealing with a few issues where um, her friend... I can't remember her name off the top of my head. It's uh, uh, Susie and... Rosalind. Rosalind is her um, her friend who wants to start a lot of groups and has a lot of a lot of causes she wants to go A lot, a lot of female up. empowerment. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, Susie's the other one. Susie is her other friend who um, doesn't verbally identify as non-binary, but they're kind of putting across that she... She doesn't identify as either gender um, and she's bullied relentlessly by... That because of this. Yeah, because she doesn't she doesn't conform to standards, yeah. um, whether it's in a verbal way or or anything. The, the generic kind of jock bully football dickheads. Yeah, total jock alpha just, male bullshit. They, yeah, they just come after it non-stop. They get along... They get it across really well without spelling it out either. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's... it's I think they approach the subject, which I guess this day and age can sort of uh, flare up opinions one way or another. Yeah, and I think Susie did a fantastic job as well. Like, I apologise if I'm using the wrong pronouns for her at all, um, which I just did then again, apologies. Um, but the the actress does a fantastic job of getting across that she's dealing with the frustration of these people not accepting her, but also not trying to just beat people over the head with what she's doing she's just like i just want to live my life yeah just wants to be herself and um so obviously sabrina uh goes in cahoots with the with the three bitches and they get these jocks together and kind of lure them into a cave where they're gonna like you know have some sexy time or whatever but then they kind of spell cast them where they start um kind of ganging out with each other and then snap them and come to and they all freak out that's it they they kind of turn their turn their inherent homophobia against themselves and leaving them in a very compromising position which i thought was a nice twist on knowing but of course prudence wants to go that step further and really harm them which Sabrina kind of wants them to pedal back and you kind of get this sort of sense of like how bad this side of the world is that Sabrina's about to enter. That's it. You, you know, there's not really that level of morality she's used to being in the mortal world for the most for the majority of her life even though she's been surrounded by witches and witchcraft and that sort of thing. There's always been that sense of control kind of thing from Hilda and Zelda because yeah. they always because they have to deal in the mortal realm being funeral directors yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, there's always been that level of control that they've had to employ. 
whereas Prudence and um, Dorcas and um, Agatha and various other people at the Academy, um, I think Nicholas as well is another one uh, who yes, he comes gets introduced later, later yeah. on. Uh, you can tell they don't have that same level of control. Oh, they give no fucks. Nope, no. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, Sabrina is a little unsure about it all, but she decides that it's what she's going to do. She has one last night with her friends. They throw a little Halloween party that she's... I guess it's kind of like a birthday party for her, but also a Halloween yeah. party. Yeah, they, they drive home that this is a very important family night for her, so she needs to still be present and still needs to be part of the ritual and that kind of thing, but... She wants one last hurrah with her friends as yeah. well. And it's, 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 it's like nice midnight she needs to go to the baptism. Right? Yeah, because, that's right. Because often, often to the woods. Of course, midnight. Yeah, because midnight on Halloween. As if it's not going to be enough of a, ha- of a horror thing. Yeah, you got to, you know... Drive that shit home. Bring bring all that shit in. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's there's sides of this show that are quite kind of camp and corny without being too cheesy, but they walk the line really good. That's one thing I liked about it. But we'll go with that with the synopsis at the end of it when we start sort of picking it apart. But... um. Uh, Sabrina rocks up to have her unholy baptism and uh, she sees a vision vision of the Dark Lord. Of course, it's the embodiment of like Satan. That's a big, big, ugly looking goat. Yeah, that's it. It's the full on Black Phillip kind of goat oh, sort of look, thing. Yeah. Um, oh, so cool. Yeah, really if you haven't well seen done. the movie The Witch, that's what we're talking about. So with. good. Holy shit, what a great movie that is. Yeah, yeah. we, we may have spoiled parts of it though. I don't just care. That. Go it's, and see it. It's pretty old. <laughs> it's, it's been out for, for a while. But anyway, yeah, really crazy ass goat thing. Uh, she has a vision of this and is really unsure. But then and she also has a vision of her parents yeah. standing there watching the whole baptism and they're wearing their kind of, you know, their suits and finery and that sort of thing. But they're covered in blood. Yeah. And then the mother kind of looks her in the eyes and says, run. That's all she says to her is run. And the priest is being really dodgy. And when yeah, he's fa- re- Father Blackwood's kind of like forcing her hand almost literally onto the paper and being like, you will sign it, you will sign it. Well, and I quoted the exact line that he says that makes her turn. She says, you must obey the Dark Lord's orders or anyone he has put in power. So basically meaning if she signs herself over in this dark baptism, she has to do whatever he says. That's it. And that's the deal breaker. Yeah. She's like, that's not what, this, this, this is not what, what you told me was going to happen. Yeah. She's like, I she thought she had to obey the dark Lord, but the fact that she has to obey you in particular, the high it, priest, she's it. like, yeah. Like, Makes her know, skin crawl a bit. They, they hint at him wanting his way with people in this without actually spelling it out. I think it was very well balanced. Yeah, because he's always got that kind of creepy uncle yeah. look to him as well, like that a little bit too prim and proper and refined, but there's always that weird underlying kind of like sweaty, foppish sort of look to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, he, like he, I said, they walk that line really well. Yeah, and he, he acts it to perfection. But um, so Sabrina Bale, she gets fuck trust, out. She's trust like, no dude who hasn't like nails that manicured. Yeah. <laughs> she basically gives him the middle finger and goes, I'm out of here. But then she said, they said, you know, they kind of say, you know, look, there's only two ways you can do this. You can either be mortal or, or be a witch. There's yeah. no other. And she takes it upon herself to be like, you know what? I'm going to go a third way. That's it. I'm going to I'm going to create this new path that's half in light, half in dark. So... She strikes a balance and a compromise um, while she's trying to work out the ins and outs and that sort of thing. The rest of the Spellman family are persona non grata. They're shut out from the, spe- the academy. They're shut out from the rest of the witch- witchcraft community. Um, Until they sort this out. Exactly. So that brings us to the court case. Exactly. Yeah. Spot on. So they have a, They basically have a... Uh, uh, at the academy, they have like a... I guess like a witch's court. Yeah. And Sabrina's on trial because she basically bailed on, on the... She disobeyed the Dark Lord's yeah, orders. She was, she was going to do it and then didn't do it. And they said, well, you're going to be held accountable for this. That's it. You and brought they, shame and disrepute to the witch community and you must yeah. be held accountable. Exactly. So they... Um, the Spellman family, uh, Sabrina and her, and her aunties, they hire a mortal lawyer... Uh, Mr. Webster, who's um, uh, used to know her dad, 
back in the day and it's obviously... Um, yeah, they've kind of consulted on things in the past because he's obviously had some dealings in the mortal world and has needed a lawyer's perspective on that kind of thing. This is actually all in reference to a story from back in, I believe, the um, 30s or 40s, uh, which was uh, The Devil and Daniel Webster. And it oh. uh, was an old like Penny Dreadful kind of like pulp story and it was about a, l- a lawyer beating the devil in a, in a court case. Cool. Which I thought was awesome. They managed to tie in something like this into the story without it feeling too shoehorned in or anything. Oh, okay. Well, the way that the lawyer gets Sabrina out of the shit is uh, it turns out that her dad signed away Sabrina to the Dark Lord so he could marry Sabrina's mum, but they also had her a Christian baptism before they signed. That's it. So technically she's already been you know, signed up to both sides of the paths yeah. before this mess even got started. So she's already walking both paths, which she has been doing her whole life anyway, yeah. which I thought was a nice kind of way to further drive home that she's of both worlds and she's not beholden to one or the other. She's trying to find a way to balance these two elements of her life. Yeah, and then basically at the end, uh, I believe that's episode three, we uh, come to the conclusion that they, they kind of say, well, we're kind of got our hands tied here. They said, you know what? You can lead your mortal life, but you need to come to the academy. So she's kind of having her third way like she wanted. That's it. And a lot of the one thing we've um, failed to mention so far, the other member of their household is a guy called Ambrose. Oh, man, I absolutely love this guy. Such a great character. He was tremendous. Um, didn't really feature in any of the early sort of episodes of the um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch TV series. I think they kind of tried to shoehorn him in later on, but he's a massive part of the Sabrina comic. Okay. Um, yeah. Always, always around, always doing stuff. Absolutely yeah, love it. He's got a bit of a sassy attitude. Yeah, he's kind uh, of the sassy, the sassy London cousin who is um, housebound. Yeah, he it was part of a plot to blow up the Pope back in <laughs> back in the like nineteen hundreds. He's been around for a couple of hundred years. He's technically young for a for a witch or a warlock or anything like that, but. You know, he's been caught up in some shady dealings and that sort of thing. So, oh, I, we should also add that witches age a lot slower than mortal yeah, people. Yeah, they, they kind of don't specify that until when, later on. When they're leading up to Sabrina's dark baptism, they're like, you don't want to stay with a mortal man because you'll age beyond them and, you know, it's just going to be a pain in the ass and yeah, stuff like that. It. You'll have to watch of... them wither and die and you'll still be living your life for another couple of hundred years, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, she, she thinks it's cool because her mum and dad did it, though. That's it. But uh, the other thing that you need to really sort of slot in is that there's a lot of, like, especially with the um, Miss Ward well and all that that there's a like a, a higher purpose to what's going on with Sabrina there's a reason yeah. why they want her to join the um the academy and why they need her to fill out her certain I guess destiny yeah there's a lot of um Miss Wardwell in the background of a lot of these kind of episodes she's kind of manipulating events whether it's through magic or through other means um, or just kind of talking to Sabrina and kind of guiding her because Sabrina confides in her a lot yeah because at first she doesn't really realize that she has this magical background until she kind of has to give the game away because she's been caught out. So she basically, Miss Wardwell lies and said that she's always been a witch. She's been keeping an eye on Sabrina because she wants to make sure that she's looked after and that she's her best interests are represented because she doesn't want her being left out in the cold from the coven like she was once in the, once upon a time, mm. which is all bullshit. Like she's, she's working for Satan. She's working partially for Lord Blackwood as well. Yeah. She's got her own agenda the whole time. She totally does, and she does such a good job of manipulating Sabrina. But uh, in the fourth episode, there's a little, little offshoot. They're discussing The Fly and the Cronenberg remake, little things like that just along the way that I'm sort of like, yeah. Um, anyway, Sabrina goes to the Academy. We're off to the races from from episode four. It kind of slots into its sort of regularity. You've kind of got the main initial sort of uh, arc of her 
getting to where she needs to be for the show to start running. Yeah. And uh, she goes to the Academy the first time and we um, get a glimpse in the middle of the Academy. There's the giant Baphomet statue, yeah. which was a big cause of controversy. Yeah, it was interesting how many people kind of lost their mind about this from not the kind of spots you'd expect. You'd think, oh, this is a show called Sabrina, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, a lot of satanic witchcraft references. Mm. You'd think, oh, it's going to be a lot of the kind of Christian right that are going to kick up a fuss. No, it wasn't. Tell us more, Adam. Um, I was going to get into this towards the end of that once we've gotten through the whole th- series. But, um, okay, basically the Satanic Temple ended up uh, issuing a lawsuit and, and we're going to sue the people making this show because – and this is uh, something that really needs to be sort of settled home is this is not the Church of Satan. Mm. The Satanic Temple and the Church of Satan are two very different organizations. Right. The Church of Satan is the actual religion that people think of when they think Satanism. That's right. Even though people's views of Satanism are usually quite warped. Yep. Um, <laughs> that notwithstanding, the um, – the Satanic Temple is more of a political organization and more about activism and wanting to separate the church and state and all yeah, that sort of and stuff. Making sure representation is correct in media and that sort of thing. Yes, yes. They're not the church themselves, which the, the one thing I found, because I followed this story quite closely because it just piqued my interest. And um, the fact that uh, people were losing their mind, but when people were obviously commenting and getting so hot and bothered about it, they kept saying the Church of Satan. Yeah, but they are very different that's entities. It, they, were, they were not making the effort to like delineate between the two. Yeah, and basically, uh, oh, I don't know how long ago. It was, it was a couple of years ago, maybe maybe three or four maybe years ago. Uh, the Satanic Temple, uh, they got themselves made, I, I don't know where they got it made from, but they got this, this massive bronze statue of Baphomet. Yeah. Um, of course, if you're not familiar with Baphomet, you've probably seen the ideology somewhere. It's this uh, goat-headed human type figure um, yeah wearing like robes and wearing big robes the original had breasts and I believe an erection as well that's but that's, right. n- that's not on their statue that, that's on the behemoth yeah <laughs> yeah exactly but their big statue of the Baphomet has two children either side of him where he's kind of like you know doing his uh, pose you know the the um yeah the Rasputin kind of pose. yeah the, the, the right hand up the left hand down and um this statue in Sabrina is very similar it has the children it's not exactly the same but it's 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 because it's so similar the uh the Satanic Temple sort of went forth and said hey motherfuckers um yeah. you're you're breaching you're what breaching is- you either owe us a lot of money for using our iconography yeah or you need to take it out of the show yeah and a lot of people got. Uh, just it, it, <laughs> it was a weird one to stir up that much that much controversy. It wasn't stirred it? up so much. It was so weird. And like, it was just so out of yeah, nowhere. And people's reactions to it as well. Like it was almost like people sort of laughing in at the fact that like you know well how how badass can you you Satanist be if you're gonna bloody get hot and bothered by this that and the other about some you know teeny TV show. But um, it went on for a little while and people kind of like does this mean the show is going to get taken off Netflix and off the air or like no one really knew what it was gonna what was gonna transpire of it because it. It had potential to kind of have some really it, big ramifications. It could have really like completely torpedoed this show. And then the knock-on effect of where else has this iconography been used? Are well, they gonna? Is everyone going to be bankrupted in the process? Because all well, these films and TV shows are yeah. going to now owe the Satanic Temple a massive back pay of money. Well, like any, anything on the internet, there was just like a, a, a truckload of uh, replies and many people like, how can you copyright? I, I like... Uh, I. I Some iconography. Iconography, that's the one, yeah. Like, you know, people saying, well, you know, is that like copywriting a cross with Jesus on it and stuff like that? I I think, like, a lot of people pointed out as well, it would be like copywriting tarot cards. Yeah, I guess so. Which are so open to interpretation anyway. Mm. And so the designs differ across different decks so much. Yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of impossible, really, to 
to copyright something that specific. Yeah, it was a massive spanner in the works, but it all ended where they settled out of court and uh, neither party has come out and said what the deal is. And I get the feeling we'll probably find out in season two as to whether the statue is still there or not. Yeah, I think you know, there must, whether there's some sort of massive earthquake in episode one around the around the, the school and then the statue gets sunk into like some sort of you know hell mouth or something like that that'll probably give us a pretty clear indication of whether they're allowed to use it again or not or whether they'll just alter it yeah very... it's, i mean obviously like you said that the baphomet that's obviously had you know there's different looks of it or whatever but i think a big part of it that they could plead their case for was that there was children either side you know things like that it's got the same sort of uh almost like a tombstone looking thing at the back yeah certain versions have wings other versions don't as well yeah, so yeah. you've got you've got that room it for often that has breasts room. this one's a, like i guess a, a male sort of torso yeah with the with the kind of robes hanging down mm. over the top of it so yeah. there's room there's wiggle room if they need to like alter it just for that purpose but yeah it was it was a weird thing like adam said that just completely caught up a lot of the attention of the show where you think like you think back in the day a satanic tv show this would be the controversy would be just all you needed to do was show a pentagram and people, people would lose like, their yeah. minds yeah especially america's like, very religious well and, you look um, at a show yeah. like charmed which yeah. was by our standards today quite harmless and there was and shit there was there, well there was people picketing <laughs> yeah people were picketing the studio saying you need to take this off the air it's corrupting the children and making normalizing pagan behaviors and stuff like that yeah. well um, this compared to charm is like a, <laughs> it's a whole different kettle of fish <laughs> yeah this is this is the real deal but um yeah it's just interesting that it brought about all this sort of stuff because and, and if you think of how much of a big deal this was when the satanic temple first got this statue made it was huge. Yeah, it, it was, was such a massive fucking like um, yeah. news story because they originally, what was it? Um, it's in Detroit, but they wanted to put it in Oklahoma. There's a statue in Oklahoma that one of the churches has. I can't, oh, I can't remember what it is. They had this big religious statue, but they wanted to put theirs next, next to, to that it. one yeah. and say, we have the same rights as you. Once again, the, the, um, the temples are very much like almost like that political sort of party and sort of that they That's like, it. hey, if you guys have the right to put that statue there, we're going to have I ours. Think, well, I think a lot of it is the um, wanting to have the same freedom of expression as other churches yeah. and other religions and that sort of thing. But I think a lot of it in America especially is the tax breaks that come with being a religious entity, yeah. which is, you know, you look at things like Scientology where they don't have a lot of big, ornate kind of iconography that we would identify necessarily. They also don't pay taxes. That's the thing. Yeah. The, the main thing is they're, they're you know, their umbrellas that are protecting them from any kind of tax, you know, having yeah. to pay that sort of thing. Well, it's, the, the, it's temp, the temple's more about this sort of um, advocacy and all yeah. that, whereas you, you, the Church of Satan is the uh, Anton they're the LaVey, actual, Yeah, they're the like actual the, branch that the, practice. Yeah. The actual religion itself. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, that was a giant offshoot about this show, but this is something that I, I think we had to discuss because it was such a massive fucking issue well, around that's it. it. Um, it was, I heard about the issue before I actually saw the show. That was the thing. It was, one of those, it was one of those moments in real life that actually put a lot of eyes on the TV show and one of those moments where the controversy creates an audience because people heard about this story and went oh if it's this intense i think a lot of people did the same thing you were saying before where they'd kind of written it off as being part of the riverdale universe ah it's yeah. just for teenagers just for kids i don't need to worry about it sort of thing well i remember a couple of podcasts ago you were saying about this show coming out and maybe i was covering it and on our podcast i openly laughed at you you kind of snorted derisively, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and then i found out okay it's really quite dark it's you know it's got you know quite a bit of uh sort of horror type stuff and all these sorts of things but um Anyway, that's the statues there. You see it in the show. Um, it's definitely it's, a center point for the show as well because every time they have any kind of meeting with the the three sisters, any time they have a meeting with this character Nicholas who comes in, he's kind of like the new. It's in the main sort of courtyard of the. It. I feel like they've got their own sort of little, uh, I guess, church area. Yeah. But the main sort of courtyard of of the whole 
Academy is where this statue is. Uh, yeah, and you get this first character, this first appearance of Nicholas, who's this mm. new character that gets introduced. He's kind of like the new love interest. He's kind of manipulative. He's kind of... He doesn't seem like he's completely on the level, but he's got that charm. Yeah, he wants to be Dark Harvey. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing, like, obviously being called Nicholas, there's the whole, you know, is he, you know, is he actually an embodiment of Satan? Mm. Something like that. You know. There's a lot of shady characters, and... Um, Obviously, there's just finally on the uh, the last bit about the statue. It's uh, up to the individual how you interpret it. Uh, if you are offended by it or whatever, that is definitely um, you know like it's okay to be offended by it. Like it's yeah. uh, especially if you are a religious person, I can understand why that is offensive. And, I'd be kind uh, of interested to hear about anyone religious watching this show. Mm. To be honest, as well, like anyone who's from a strong Catholic or Christian background watching a show like Sabrina when the most of the promotional material makes it pretty clear what kind of show it is. Yeah, the so I I'd be, I'd the be I and Sabrina is a pentagram. Yeah, I'd be I'd be fascinated to kind of see somebody's response to the yeah. show. So if if you if you are of a religious bent and um you did enjoy or did not enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you and hear what your what your reasons for liking or disliking the show were. So by all means hit us up on our various social media platforms and we would love to hear that from you guys. Yeah. Basically I'm not sort of speaking for it. I'm just sort of covering no, all the that, shit that went around it. Naturally, I, um, man, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm on neither side of the fight. But uh, when Sabrina gets to the academy and starts there, it's kind of it kind of settles in that whole kind of you're not in Kansas anymore because... They kind of ramp things up quite heavily, don't they? Well, because she comes into the academy with such controversy because she obviously isn't going the same way that everyone else did. People are like, okay, this bitch. That's um, it. They, they want to test her from the outset and basically find out if she deserves to be there. Yeah, and... Um, the um, the high priest is very much happy with people hazing her and, and being a prick to her. That's it. And uh, the three bitches straight away put a hex on her and stuff like that, and kind of yeah, she's kind of battling against the against the odds straight away, trying to prove that she's not just half mortal, half witch, but she's every bit the half the half of her that is a witch is every bit as powerful and capable as these lifelong witches who have nothing but the coven, have nothing but the witch community. She's trying to prove a point by not tapping out and not giving up on the yeah. whole thing. So when the uh, the bitches put her through a bit of hazing, she just kind of rolls with it and like, all right, I'm going to get through this and show you that I belong here. Uh, you've got that Nicholas guy who's trying to sweet talk her. Meanwhile, the uh, the principal or the, the high priest, um, I can never remember his name. No, Father Blackwood. Father Blackwood, that's right. He uh, gives her, because she's kind of trying to find her spot and just wants to be just a regular kid. He gives her this, uh, this puzzle box to sort of solve, which is like, immediately makes me think of Hellraiser. And Definitely. She, and, yeah. yeah, and then he's like, if you can solve this puzzle, then you can conjure. Yeah, and, and um, it'll prove you've got a certain aptitude for these for these spells and this kind of magic, and it'll show that you belong here, kind of thing. Yeah, and um, that leads us to episode five, which I felt was total filler, massively. So. I've seen a review recently where someone thought it was the best episode of the lot. Nah, I no disagree. Way. I no thought way. it felt like total. I literally filler. told people if they were watching this season, watch five and six back to back. Because yeah. that five is such filler, you'll want another episode to come along to actually yeah. advance the story. To me, it was the Breaking Bad episode with the fly. No, I see. Uh, I maybe disagree. not that bad. I, no, I disagree. I loved the bottle episode with the fly in Breaking Bad. I thought <laughs> that was one of the best episodes they did for that. That's show. the one episode that whenever people talk about it not having a bad bit, they're like the fly episode. Ah, I disagree yeah. wholeheartedly. Oh, but the fucking greatest show ever. Anyway, um, <laughs> so in episode five, uh, basically un- undoing this. Um, this puzzle, it releases a a dream demon, That's like, right. a, like a sleep demon or whatever. We're not talking Freddy Krueger. No, but but it is straight out of the Dark Crystal from the look of it. It really did, really. That's exactly what I thought too. Yeah, the little, it's definitely little, got that handsome puppet kind of look to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, in that though, there's a scene where um, 
Ambrose, who we spoke about previously, he's doing an autopsy, and you get some like solid gore. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a I'm a horror vet, and uh, yeah, you see, you know, all the innards and stuff spilling and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, kudos for going there. I think it kind of this is the point in the show where it's almost literally the halfway point, and it's like they've gone, all right, if you've stayed with us this far. You're okay with what we're doing. We can push it a bit further. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's not like oh god, this is the worst shit ever. It just kind of feels like it's just another standalone episode rather yeah. than rolling with what they started. Yeah, and I think like you definitely needed a breather to kind of absorb because they do pack a lot into each episode up to this point. There's so they much do. going on. It is very well balanced though. I will say it yeah. did a better job than I expected for a show like this. Like, it could have easily just been way too much info dump. Yeah. But it did a really good job of kind of balancing everything. I mean, the way it plays out though, this Sleep Demon episode, it plays out quite well because they kind of sort it out and then don't sort it out and then you realise actually, no, this is actually all a dream yep. within itself. Yeah, but you, um, the one thing that's good with it is, is, like you said, even though it feels a little bit like filler at times, you do still get some character advancement. Like you get the driving home of the fact that Hilda and Zelda... They might be close as close as sisters can be, but there's still issues to, that haven't been resolved over the years where one feels like she's being smothered because she doesn't get to live her own life. She doesn't get to go and do what she wants, whereas the other one feels kind of repressed but feels like she has to maintain the order of the household because there's nobody else who will do it and everything will fall to ruin and chaos. And I, I like that they kind of got that across in the midst of this show as well. Yeah, I think it works quite well and it gets across what it needs to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And especially like I said with Ambrose kind of doing the autopsy on himself, it's like he's got that inherent guilt and frustration of mistakes from the past where he's let somebody lead him down a blind path and he's still paying for them all these years later and he just feels kind of completely stagnant as a hum- as a as a warlock. He's mm. he's got all these plans and all these ideas and he can't do any of them. He's just stuck in this one house. Yeah, absolute great character I are. Yeah, one of my favourites was yeah, the Ambrose character. He's, he's, he's great. Human Sabrina, really. Uh, human Salem, I should say. Yeah, pretty much. Definitely yeah. got that kind of slinky sort of vibe to it. Yeah. Um, basically, this this little episode just plays out like it does. How do they fix the sleep demon? Of course, spiders. Why not? Fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we then get an episode that's kind of uh, not so much feel, but it kind of it, it keeps things rolling where um, her her friend Susie's dad gets, gets possessed um, and obviously she's you know, done the puzzle so she can conjure and all this sort of stuff. It's, um, it's her uncle, isn't it? Uncle, yes. Sorry, yes. yes. Uncle Jesse, which just made me think of Full House. <laughs> um, but it's 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 not John Stamos. Um, he's possessed by a demon and then, you know, obviously... Um, Cut it yeah. out. <laughs> that's how they get rid of the oh, demon. that's Joey. Yeah. Yeah, but that's how they get rid of the demon. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, they cut it out, yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, she has to exercise the demon, and the scene is, like, straight out of the exorcist. Oh, pure pure she tribute has, to exorcist, yeah. absolutely. Which I'm okay with. Um, and that kind, of, that kind of happens, and other, like, the she also well, that's asks... Well, that's the first moment where you kind of get her teaming up with Miss Wardwell. Yeah. Like, Wardwell kind of comes to the party and helps her with the exorcism, because it's technically something you're not supposed to do in the mortal realm, yeah. which is not supposed to interfere with demons playing and, you know, doing that sort of thing. Um and it all ties back into this demon appearing. It ties back into the mine where he worked, which is the famous, the Greendale mine. It's tied into Harvey's family because they were miners and that yep. sort of thing. And this is where you start to get a lot of the history of Greendale as well and, and the history of Harvey's family. The Kinkle family have got this, this history as like running the mine, being the, you know, the go-getting providing family. But then you start to find out how they got the mine and that sort of thing. And you find out why a lot of the, a lot of the witches and warlocks in Greendale do not like the Kingle family, do not like mortals, why there's such a divide between them. Well, it's because back in the day they were witch hunters. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. get that whole thing. That whole thing gets revealed. Harvey doesn't trust what's going on. He's never been 
back to the mines since he was a kid and his dad is this kind of alcoholic abusive lunatic who just wants to make sure the mine's running make his money all that sort of thing um harvey's brother is a very sensitive caring soul who's trying to look after harvey and trying to keep his dad off of him so that he can still fulfill his love of art and go to college and that sort of thing um and it kind of all comes to a head, battling back and forth with them, kind of butting heads. And Harvey gets dragged off to the mines to work for a day. And he has the vision of when he was a kid. And he sees a demonic presence wandering around the mines. It's like the smell of sulfur and brimstone and all that kind of thing. And you start to find, oh, okay. You start to find out why Harvey doesn't trust magic and why he reacted so badly when he was first told by Sabrina what, what her real origin was. Yeah, so basically, it's obviously it all goes back to the um the, the witch hunts and all That's that it. all that sort of uh all that Literally sort of fun the, stuff. the kind of Salem witch yeah. hunts and that sort of thing. Which again, it's cool that they tied all that stuff back into it. I think it, if you're going to do a horror tribute kind of series like this with so many elements referring back to famous horror moments and that sort of thing, you had to have the Salem witch hunts in there. Yeah, it had to be done, and it works well in the the whole dynamic of the show and that, and obviously the uh, tension between uh, uh, Harvey and Sabrina as well. Uh, something else that happens along the way is Sabrina actually asks Miss Wardwell what's going on. She starts to cotton on that things aren't right, and Wardwell tells Sabrina that her dad told her to keep an eye on Sabrina That's for right, him. That's yeah. So she's kind of, once again, manipulating her and kind of got her on the right That's side. That's it. Which works well. Which for, goes um, back to what I was saying before with her feed, her feeding the line to Sabrina where she no longer has a coven, her coven died or she was expelled from the coven for disagreeing about the mortals and witches being able to commune together, mm-hmm. which is a load of horse shit. Like she's yeah. clearly just manipulating everything as, she, as and when she pleases. Like even the fact that she saves Sabrina's family from the dream demon mm. because she's keeping an eye on Sabrina through a magic mirror. Yeah. Um, she ends up being the one who allows Sabrina to unlock it. Sabrina remembers this, though, from the dream, and that's what spurs her to go and talk to Miss Wardwell. Yeah. And then she helps out with the exorcism, reveals that she's a witch as well, and then it all starts to spiral out from there. Basically, yeah, she's she's got her ulterior motives and just playing Sabrina to a T. Um, we get an episode that sort of covers the, um, oh, what is it called? The, the Feast of Feasts? That's right, yep. Um, and that's where <laughs> um, a witch gets nominated and then they eat her. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, is what it, it is what it sounds like. It's the Feast of Feast where each family that's chosen gets to re- nominate a representative for the entire family and if, they're, if they draw this particular um, candle, they're chosen as the sacrifice. Yeah. And they basically are... But treat- it's an honour to be... That's eaten. it, yeah. It's, it's a huge, it's, it's it's a a huge honour. Um, if you refuse the honour, it's basically your family is cast out forever. Yeah, you'll you'll never you'll never be part of the witch community. And we find a character later on in the episode who's who's from that. But um, the high priest, uh, Mrs. comes into it as well, and she's pregnant with twins. Yep, that's yep. right. Yeah, Mrs. Blackwood. That's right. Yep, we uh see um see her in this, and um, eventually it all comes unravelled when they the the aunties make a, a truth cake. Yeah, and, she, <laughs> and she's basically been um the reason that Prudence has had such a favoured position in all of this kind of, in, in the entire witch community, is she's not an orphan. Mm. She is actually Father Blackwood's daughter, yeah. but from another woman. Yeah. So she she gets the favour from Father Blackwood, but the Father Blackwood's wife does not trust her because any child that she has will technically be a secondborn yeah. and won't enjoy the favour of Father Blackwood or the magical community in general. So there's this whole kind of almost socio-political 
manipulation going on as well where it's like standing counts even in something like this where magic is involved in the supernatural realms it still matters who you know and what you know and it just shows also once again about just how shady this high priest is yeah like he's having his way with everyone he's basically <laughs> having everything his way but because this all comes out that even the feast is, is all set up as well yep. um he cancels it but then when they're having the big sort of meeting and it's all coming out and they're in the church some uh woman comes forward and just like slices her own throat yeah she sees it as such an honor and such a need for the feast to happen that... like the feast isn't happening hell well it is now it is now <laughs> boom yeah she like literally just tops herself in front of everybody and they all just tuck in. They pretty much those who are going to die in on her. I just dive straight in on it. It's yeah, it's pretty insane. <laughs> pretty messed up to be honest. Uh, following that, we get the whole scene about the uh, the mines that you touched on, and um, Harvey's brother dies, and this is when things start sort of building it's, up. Yeah, towards it's the, the real, it's the real kind of snowballing of everything where Harvey's brother passes away. Um, Susie is actually the volunteer who, because she's small enough, she can crawl through a lot of the gaps in the in the collapse of the mine, and she finds his bloodied destroyed helmet which is basically like if he's parted from this and it's in this kind of condition harvey's got um harvey's brother is gone mm. um so there's there's a whole thing where the dad wants to fast track a funeral because the insurance company will pay out on it which means that the the mine can reopen the workers will get paid he'll be looked after from the company that owns yeah. the mine as well it's real dodgy shady stuff and it's further further pointing forward that harvey's dad is a complete sack of shit yeah, they, he really is. And meanwhile, obviously, Sabrina, Harvey's devastated, as you'd imagine. His brother's just died. She wants to resurrect the brother with the help of Miss Wardwell. And um, this is where things just start going a bit sort of crazy because they're obviously trying to work things out. Yeah, you know. and you get, like, after she she basically saves uh, Prudence from being the sacrifice at this Feast of Feasts. So she and Prudence kind of have this une- uneasy truce going on. So Prudence agrees to help her with the um, the ritual to resurrect Harvey's brother. Um, so you get Nicholas gets involved because he's such a sucker for mischief and danger. He's like, well, there's no way I'm missing this. Uh, Dorcas and Agatha get involved as well. Um, it eventually comes out, though, that Agatha and Dorcas are the ones that actually made the collapse happen. That's right. So they're responsible for the death. So then Sabrina kills Agatha, all part of the ritual of resurrection. And then, of course, Agatha comes back because she's a witch. This is something that happens in this yeah. witch world. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a specific plot of land on the Spellman property. Um, that Hilda and Zelda, whenever they have a, a feud or a, a falling out or an argument, they will kill each other and then bury themselves or they'll bury the body in this specific, specific plot of land because it's a resurrection plot. It's like a Lazarus pit. It's pet cemetery. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. But because they're witches, they come back. They come back correctly mm. because they're not taking anything away from the universe. They're offering, making an offering of their bodies. Then their bodies are resurrected. Um, it's a balance where they, they keep giving and giving and taking and taking where that cycle continues anew. So they're not actually upsetting the laws of magic or the laws of nature. Yeah. Whereas when Sabrina does it, she offers up a body of Agatha to get Harvey's brother back yeah. and then resurrects her using this plot. So technically a mortal is being given and, and taken and nothing's being taken in return. Yeah, there's like, uh, obviously, like you said before, there's consequences to the actions of the, the magic these witches use. And uh, Harvey's brother does come back. Uh, Tommy, his name is. That's right. Uh, he does come back, but he's like, um, I guess it's like Pet Cemetery in a way. Yeah. He's, Sometimes he, dead is better. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. They're remaking that too. It's coming out. It looks all right. Uh, yeah, yeah, not too bad. Again, do we really need it though? Yeah, we'll look, see. I'll give it a go. <laughs> um, and obviously, yeah, he comes back, but he's still like all twisted and not right. And, you know. Yeah, he's. Basically, a glorified zombie without the need to eat people just yet. Yeah, so obviously but he's going that way. 
uh, Tommy's actually in mortal limbo whilst this is actually happening. So yeah. the, the body of Tommy that's out and about, you know, hanging out with the family, trying to eat and stuff is like not actually him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a soulless husk that's just kind of wandering around and reacting to things but not actually thinking for itself anymore. Yeah, so meanwhile, the three bitches want to kill Tommy but Serena heads into limbo to try and save him and turns out he can't because soul eaters have taken his soul. Yeah. As they do. As you do. Oh, we've, all, we've, all, we've all been there. Oh, haven't we just? <laughs> Buying a nickel for every soul I've eaten. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> and uh, this is when obviously Sabrina comes clean and tells Harvey again, but this time you'll obviously remember that um, she tells him about her being a witch and that her family's renowned for being witch hunters back in the day. Yeah. Um, and, but um, she also has a moment when she's kind of hunting for Tommy's soul. Yeah. She spots her mum's soul. That's right, well, in limbo. In limbo. And she's like, well. Why would you be in limbo? You died. You died of natural causes. Mm. Shouldn't you have just moved on to the next plane? And she's like, "No, I need to keep an eye on you. Um, something's not right." Because of this higher sort of that's plan. it. Because of this plan or destiny and that kind yeah. of thing. She's trying to stick around to make sure that Sabrina is protected and that there's people looking out for her well-being other than just the ghost of her mother kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, the whole Tommy situation comes to a head because Harvey ends up having to shoot his brother and end it, but he also breaks up with Sabrina in the process. That's it, He's like, you know what, I'll take care of this, but you and I, we're through. Yeah, and he basically, that's when he says, I appreciate what you tried to do, but keep this magic keep this magic shit away from me i don't trust it i can't trust anyone who uses it so it's better if we just part company and you know live our lives separately kind of thing which is understandable given the shit he's going through yeah obviously the loss of his brother and all that and i mean he's probably growing up in a family it's like you know uh always hating witches and that i guess That's it's kind it. of pre-bred to uh not yeah. like them. and uh then we get our season finale yeah so is- that, that kind of fast tracks that sabrina is going to be leaving the mortal realm like yeah. she's going to basically spend a, at least a year at the school, um, the Academy for Unseen Arts. She's going to go on sabbatical. Whether she'll come back, she doesn't know after that year, but not having Harvey around, like she'll miss her best friends. But she's like, you know what? Clearly, I need to just accept that this is my destiny and move on. She's about to go the whole hog. But um, Ross's grandma lets them know because it turns out she's um, one of her... Ross is the friend, not the uh, non-binary one, but the, the other friend, the yep. sort of activist one. Uh, her grandmother obviously has a history, their family has a history where uh, one of her ancestors crossed a witch and they've been cursed and yeah, she has visions. That's it. When she's having issues with her sight the mm. whole season, she's kind of like, like wears really thick glasses. Um, she has to keep going for eye tests and that sort of thing. She thinks she's going uh, glaucoma or something like that where she's basically going to lose her sight within the next kind of five to ten years. You get it's one of those very, cards where you can smoke weed legally. That's it, yeah. yeah. And, you know, be a blind lawyer who fights crime. <laughs> no, this isn't a Daredevil crossover? No, no, no. But uh, she, she, <laughs> she lets... Um, Let's Ross know that thirteen witches are coming, and this is a this last episode I thought was awesome. Yeah, they did a so great good. job with this. Uh, basically, uh, the tale has it is that these thirteen witches were killed throughout the Salem witch hunt. Thirteen of them, the basically the town got their pitchforks and torches, and they killed these thirteen witches because, well, they're witches. But the rest of the witch community were like, you know what? Let's let these guys be the sacrificial lambs, yep. and we'll they'll, just they'll think it's all done and dusted because yeah. these witches are dead. We'll fade into the background a little bit, and then we'll be free to continue our magical ways. And that's why it's the unseen Academy of Unseen Arts because they're literally operating in the shadows, operating in the background, away from prying mortal eyes kind of thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, Miss Wardwell is just like, you know what? I can stir up more mischief here. If I create more chaos and more fucked up horrible shit, Sabrina will have to sign her name in the book. 
and these 13 witches are coming. So basically, um, the high uh, the high priest, the high father, um, he gathers everyone and just says, all right, everyone come into the academy. We're going to barricade ourselves in and be safe. Because these 13 witches, they don't, they want to like just obliterate Greendale yeah, in its entirety, like, yeah. like mortal and witch alike. That's it. It's just scorched earth policy for yeah. them. They're just going to get rid of everybody and take their take their anger and frustration out on everyone. Yeah. So the uh, the high priest gets all the witches into the, uh, into the academy to stay safe and Sabrina gets the aunties to... S- conjure up a big tornado so that everyone hides into the gym at the regular folk school. That's right. So they're safe. And they're conjuring a spell at the same time, a water to protection to try and keep them. everybody from being you know, destroyed by these 13 crazy witches. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which ghost, by the way, sounds like a great doom metal band. It does, actually. I think there was a, there was room for a lot of metal to come into this show that didn't. And I was kind of like, oh, come on. Ah, still season two. We'll, there's time. There's time, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> That's true. Um... Where are we? Uh, Harvey Harvey doesn't want to go. He wants to protect his dad because it's what Tommy would do. And my comment is, what a tool. Yeah. Uh, I'll go into so this dumb. later, but the, the the Harvey character in general, I was not a fan of. Um, <laughs> replacement Jughead. We'll, 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 touch, we'll touch on this later. Um, oh, obviously, conveniently, Lady Blackwood, the um, the mistress of the of the high priest, goes into labour at this time with her, her, her twins. With her triplets. Her, her twins about to come, that's right. And because basically, what perfect timing. Yeah. The tornado and 13 witches coming to kill everyone. Naturally. You know, omens, importance, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But the previous episode, when, uh, when they have the truth cake that comes out, um, is when they find out about the fact that she's going to have twins rather than just having a single child. Yeah. Um, uh, Hilda... Is it Hilda or Zelda that's the um, Miranda Otto's character? I think it's Zelda. Yeah, isn't Zelda, it? yeah. yeah um, Zelda is actually a midwife as well as being a funeral director. She's known for... She's basically the best of the best. Yeah. Um, she can provide a safe birth no matter what the odds, no matter what the issues, that kind of thing. So to maintain the truce between them all, she agrees to be the midwife. She hasn't done it for a couple of hundred years, but she agrees to be the midwife for these children being born because Father Blackwood wants a male heir or he's only had female heirs up to this point and he's like, I demand a male heir to secure my line, to secure my legacy and to make sure the Blackwood name carries on as magical tradition demands kind of thing. Um, So you've got this whole uneasy truce where she is... Zelda's trying to help keep this ward up to protect everyone in Greendale, but she gets tr- teleported back to the Unseen Academy for Arts. Um, the Arts, uh, Unseen Academy for Arts, yeah. Many, Academy. Me word good brain. <laughs> um, she gets teleported back to basically help with the delivery of these children because the children are coming. This is the bargain she struck. She has no say in the matter kind of thing. So, yeah, like you said, everything just keeps spiralling out of control further and further and further. Yeah. It's all going down because this is the final episode of the season two and it goes down in, in a great way because Miss Wardwell takes Sabrina into the woods and says that she has to sign the Book of the Beast so she'll be strong enough to defeat the Red Angel of Death, which is the one starting up the shit with all the 13 witches. That's right. And Sabrina signs. And so that's it, yeah. She's shit officially real, she's yep. in now. She's officially a witch. Yep. Like she's Well, I guess... You know she's half witch, but she's 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 all in with the crew now. That's she's it. yeah, yeah. She's she's made her pact with the devil quite yep. literally. She signed her name in her own blood. She now has the power to stop these witches. And yeah, you get this fantastic scene where she just approaches the the hanging witches. Yeah, the fogs descending because the there's, a, there's a hanging tree where all thirteen witches were hung, and that's where that's they, kind of their place of power. Yeah, that, that's yeah. where she needs to attack to stop these. And obviously, Wardwell getting her to sign the book was all manipulation as well. That's it. Uh, just because obviously it's part of this plan, which we still don't fully know. No, whether she's working for somebody else or if she's got her own machinations in yeah. mind. Like she kind of plays up that she's praying to Satan throughout the show. Yeah. 
whether she's actually doing that or if it's for appearances sake, we don't really know. But she needed Sabrina to sign the book and gets it and it happens. So uh, she ends up setting the hanging tree on fire with Hellfire. And, uh, and the fact that she's now strong enough to conjure Hellfire is like the sign that she's fully crossed over into the into the magical realm and she's embraced it. She's fully embraced the the dark path. Yeah, so that basically stops the, the 13 witches that are going to just level Greendale. So that's cool. The day gets saved and then you just get this final kind of... Uh, Little sort of uh, little end threads little, to the season. Yeah, little stingers for what's to come. Yeah, so basically you get um, Zelda steals one of the twin children. Yeah, because she tells Lord Blackwood that there will be twins, but she basically says one died in in vitro, in S- utero. One ate the other. That's it. Like the, sh- yeah. the sign of a strong male heir that he ate the, ate the other child. Yeah. But the child was actually a female, yeah. and then she knew that Lord Blackwood would just basically kill the female to make sure that his male heir was even stronger with his claim for the throne and that sort of thing. So she takes it. So she takes it, mm. which is which is messed up. Yeah, but. it is. Oh, one thing we didn't fail to mention is that Ambrose kind of gets out of his house arrest and starts working at the academy. That's so right. So he gets a change of venue where he's a lot happier and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, because he um, it's part of the whole bargain. They strike with the um, with the with the truth cake and that sort of thing. Like yeah. they basically they all agree to disagree on a lot of things, but they have all these kind of they've all got these plots that they can't move forward without each other. Yeah. So it's this uneasy alliance between the Blackwoods and the Spellmans, which is definitely something they touched on in the um, the Sabrina comics as well. Okay. Um, Z- uh, sorry, Hilda decides she's moving out. She's had enough because obviously when Zelda comes home with a baby, she's like, man, fuck this. I'm done. Yep. Um, but she moves out to a different room. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of adorable. It's, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's such a big statement. Like, like, I'm, I'm moving, moving out. Just, just to over there, though. <laughs> um, Harvey decides he wants to get back with Sabrina, but she declines because she can't go back because she's signed her name and is now deeper into the into the dark. Yeah. Um, which I was like, yeah, good, fuck him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Har- Harvey's got the chance to kind of pursue college and that sort of thing as well. So it's like, will he, will he move on from Sabrina? Will he be able to come back and try and be part of her life down the line. We don't know exactly what's going to happen because it's still, you know, the school year hasn't ended properly as yet. So mm. we shall see, I suppose. And it basically ends, it wraps up with uh, Wardwell narrating to the principal saying that she's the mother of demons, the uh, dawn of doom, Satan's concubine. She is Lilith, Madam Satan, and so many just throw your horns up, That's metal it. shit like that. <laughs> and she's grooming Sabrina to take her place and earn a throne by Satan's side as the future queen of hell. Mm. So that's what she's wanting it's from Sabrina. a hell Sabrina. of a speech when she gives it as well. It's, yeah, it's fucking way cooler than what I just made it out to be. And uh, then you see at the very end, the last scene is um, Sabrina walking with the three bitches. She's got the white hair now. Yeah, the little short, shorter bob as well. Yeah, so she fits yeah. in with the gang. Walking with the three bitches and uh, slow-mo walk. It's very cool, very hip. And one hell of a strong end, I thought. Right, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, Madam Satan eats Bronson Pincho as well. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. why not? Yeah, Belky becomes a meal. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that wraps up season one. That's that's it in itself. Um, we then get the Christmas special, which... Um, how should we run through this? By all means, lead the way, good sir. Okay, well, basically, it's Christmas time. Uh, they have a Yule tree, not a Christmas tree. The, the little terminology they use in the Christmas episode is really cool. It's a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, Sabrina's... Yeah, it's, it really pushes the whole kind of solstice sort of angle of, yes. of Christmas and Yuletide rather than just being like kind of a religious ceremony. It's definitely tied more in with like nature and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like which I thought was really well just done. Just more paganistic or something, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, Zelda's still got the baby. Uh, Sabrina's upset. Thinking of her mum, she wants to save her from limbo by having a seance. 
And then they do a seance with the, with the three bitches and that. And, um, and Nicholas is involved as well. Yeah, that's right. And obviously there's there's a Yule log fire <laughs> that um, stops spirits from entering the house throughout the... Uh, yeah, you, if you burn this Yule log in the fireplace, it basically protects... It's like a spell award kind of thing where the smoke surrounds the house mm. and protects you from evil spirits getting in. Yeah, um, and it revo- revolves around December the 21st, which is the shortest day of the year. Mm. Funnily enough, my brother's birthday. And um, so there's this whole thing happening around the house. She wants to contact her mum, basically. Meanwhile, um, Susie's working at um, working for a Santa in the shop. Yeah, she's like her lifelong ambition has been to play this lead elf. Because <laughs> she's got really shit life dreams. goals, man. <laughs> um, anyway, it turns out, of course, Santa's a demon who wants to turn. He turns all these elves into like these little wax statues. Yeah, there's so, a whole kind of Krampus angle where yeah, it's, it's like a little that. side thread going along yeah. all the time. Um, so, so, so strange shits happening all around the Spellman house and all this crazy shit. Um, and there's these. Um, what are they called? Yule demons. The little kids yeah. just sort of running around, just running them up because they got in through the house. Yeah, Miss Miss Wardwell is basically bitter because after doing all this stuff for Satan and to make sure that Sabrina signs the book, she's seen no sign and no reward. So she's a bit like, well, I've not had any sign to say I should keep looking after or protecting her. I'm going to cause a little mayhem and raise a little fucking chaos. So she... She does. She basically voodoos a little storm into the chimney to put out the Yule fire. And the um, this is happening while the seance is going on. Yeah. And while the seance is going on, Sabrina's mum appears and they have a massive DNM um, talking about her history and what she wants for her and that kind of thing. But while that's happening, the Yule fire's gone out. So other spirits are able to get in. So all these, like you say, all these other Yule spirits are able to get through and just reap absolute chaos through the Spellman house. Yeah, so there's these little weird little children demons. It's done in a really cool way as mm. well. I really dug it. And obviously they, they kidnap the baby and they don't know where the baby is. It keeps like popping up someplace. Yeah. I think at one point it's in the fucking oven. That's it. Yeah. And then they keep stealing like knives from the, the chopping block and stuff like that. Yeah. And you're like, this is kind of fucked really, up. It's really cool. They, they did it really well. And uh, they end up getting the uh, services of um, this old witch called uh, Gryla? Grella. Grella, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, like, she's she's kind of like um, not necessarily the um, the midwife, but she's kind of like the maiden of the house. Yeah. Like she's supposed to basically corral these Yule spirits, these Yule, Yule spirit children, um, because she was never able to have children of her own. Yeah. So she's kind of known as the takes the souls of children and stuff like that. That's it, and she yeah. protects them and keeps them safe in her weird, very Baba Yaga kind of thing. Yeah, like definitely had that kind of vibe. It's kind it. of messed up. So you but get this kind of uh, literal tug of war of the baby. Yeah. that's how it comes well, to an well, end. Well, that's it. Yeah, she she basically takes um, the children. She goes to leave, um, and the offering they make her is like a a bunch of other spirits that she can take because there's other spirits have gotten in through the Yule log being taken out and that mm. sort of thing. Um, but as she goes to leave, the baby starts crying. And she's basically freaks out. It's like you had a mortal child, a, you know, a, a child's soul mm. alive in the house and didn't make it as an offering to me. Yeah. And then, yeah, shit gets real, literal tug of war, like Adam says on the baby. Um, yeah, th- this gets real fucking dark. I yeah. really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, it was a good episode. Um, and it ends up with uh, Sabrina obviously having a bit more of a chat with her mum. Um, and the, obviously mum's saying that she's got unfinished business and wanted to make sure that, you know, Sabrina was loved and looked after and all that sort of That's stuff. That's it. And, her, and Sabrina's mum seeing that she still has Hilda and Zelda, she has Ambrose, she has Nicola, she has the bitches of Eastwick kind of keeping an eye on her. Mm. She has friends, she has family. The fact she's told um, Susie and um, 
Roz. Roz, that she's a witch as well. Um, she's told Harvey, so she's still keeping ties to the mortal side of herself. Um, I think her mum kind of like realises she's not been forgotten and she mm. won't be forgotten, even though she might not be around. And even though Sabrina signed her name in the book, that mortal side of her still is a part of her, Yeah, which I think she needed to see to be able to move on to the next realm and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's kind of a, a nice ending to the whole sort of mum sort of a, and Sabrina yeah. kind of... Uh, thing that sort of That's went it. through the first sort of season. But she still manages to get a little dig in and be like, you know, make sure you keep your eyes out. Not everyone has your best interest at heart sort yeah. of thing, which I liked. I liked that they didn't just kind of go with this whole, gee, Willick has missed her life so wonderful. Yeah, Merry it's like, Christmas, yeah. y'all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, shit's, shit's dark out there. Don't trust everybody because they've all got their own agendas, which clearly they do. Just look at Miss Wardwell, for Christ's sake. Yeah, and then it uh, ends that it's actually Christmas Eve and Harvey gives back the gift that he was given by Sabrina earlier on the show. Harvey's just still a fuckhead. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's, he's a bit he's a bit bitter the whole time. Isn't yeah, he? yeah. Billy bitch cakes. That's the Christmas episode, and it kind of uh, it's it's kind of quite self contained, but it works well. I, I enjoyed it, and um, it wasn't like it wasn't like a massive teaser for what's to come, but it also just kind of gave you just just a little bit more of what was yeah. happening previously. And it's a good way to keep people keep people invested in the show because the second seasons, quote unquote, I don't know if they're technically going to call it season two or if it's going to be season one, part two. Okay. Um, we'll be starting up in April. Yeah, I think April 5th. That's right. So it's a good way to keep people invested in the show and give people a little taste of what to expect going forward, but not falling into the trap of just being a generic Christmas episode where it's like, we're just doing this to make sure we have something to show at Christmas. Yeah, it wasn't just kind of of done for the sake of doing it. It kind of, the the little bit with the mum sort of getting a bit of closure kind of made it worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Final thoughts, Adam. What did you think of the of the the whole Sabrina TV show? Um, for the most part, I really liked it. It, it kind of, uh, I mean, it was going into it. I was kind of like, this is just going to be some little teeny show. I haven't watched Riverdale at all. Yeah, Have you, you watched it? Yeah, I watched the first season. I've got to be honest. I've had no real desire to go back to it. Is there any connection between the two in this show at all? I know they mention Riverdale maybe once or twice, but apart from that, in the mentions, basically that's it, okay, uh, so which I think is a smart move because a lot of no real crossover, not so much, not from what I can tell anyway. Mm. Um, and I'm honestly, I'm not that fussed about it either way. I think it's a good move to make sure that they're two separate entities. Whereas if you if you can watch them both, watch them both go nuts, enjoy yourself. But if you only like one, you shouldn't sit there feeling like, oh, I can't watch one because I haven't watched the other one or something like that. Well, that's one thing that I didn't want to have to do because I think Riverdale was three seasons deep. Now. And it's 23 episodes a season. Yeah, as I was well. like, not that wasn't, wasn't going to happen for me regardless. Agreed. I just don't have the time. But I, um, I think it was self-contained enough in that regards that I didn't feel like I needed to watch anything else to watch this. No, and um, I think that's the, one of the biggest strengths for Sabrina is if, even, if, even if you only remember like the Melissa Joan Hart TV show, you're in a good spot to watch it. If you've never watched any of that stuff, you can just watch it as its own horror kind of TV show thing. I'd like to know how the two compare though, because I like I said, never seriously watched it. I'd like to know like if there was like some serious sort of a uh, like you know that's just like that, but they did it a bit darker in this one. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'd be I'd be interested to do a compare and contrast, but I'm not going to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't exactly have the right. Like so it did run for that four or five seasons. I read. Yeah, I ain't, I ain't got but time for that. I think that it was it had its teeny kind of side. Yeah, it definitely had that little bit of that CW edge to it at times, um, mainly because of the high school setting, I think, and a lot of the relationship drama and that sort of thing. But, but they are teenagers. Exactly. So that it, stuff's going to happen. I didn't find it overbearing either. Like It wasn't like I was watching 90210 or something no, where I'm just exactly. going, oh, God, just fuck off. Well, no, because they um, actually looked like they were teenagers as well. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sideshow Luke Perry. Um, 
No, but it, yeah, I think it's sort of, it, I, I really enjoyed the balance and like, like how he said, and this is one thing that I always think halfway through doing these podcasts is I hope that we're getting the story across well enough because it, like much like I guess Daredevil season three as well, there's so much that happens in it, but the way it plays out, it it gets told very well and very well balanced. There's a very linear kind of approach to it, which I appreciate. Yeah. Even with a dream sequence episode like they have in there, even with a Christmas special, yeah. there's a very kind of like linear progression for the story, which I think works really well for a show like this. If you just had nonstop flashbacks and flash forwards and stuff like that, it would really jar the show a bit too much. And I think doing it this way it makes the story a lot more compelling than it might otherwise have been. Definitely. I mean, I liked how dark it was too. Like it didn't shy Definitely. away from being a bit morbid and a bit dark and like just little things as well. Like it gets, it's kind of on the camp side of things too. Like the, uh, the aunties where I was like, oh, for Satan's sake and stuff like that. You That's know, like, it. There's enough of that hammer horror camp to it, yeah, but there's still enough of the actual horror as well without it just being like rolling your eyes, kind of going, oh, really? Yeah, it had little bits of gore. There's like slight humor in it as well. There's like yeah. decent tension and conflict and a majority of the acting is really good and I will say you can tell that everyone's having a blast on the show because they've got great chemistry that's one yeah. thing I definitely picked up on that everyone was really bringing their A game yeah the only person I don't and I don't know if it was just the way the character was written or it was the actor but the Harvey character shit me I just really just something about him just didn't do much for me yeah he, he's in a I feel bad as in a way because the character's totally in a rock and a hard place where he's yeah. supposed to be kind of sceptical of the whole thing and he's supposed to be hey it could just be a very well written character this is it like <laughs> whether, whether he's supposed to be in that constant sort of conflict with himself whether he's supposed to just not really accept one way or the other I get that but like you said it is very a lot of his reactions to things tend to be quite convenient for the story yeah um, um, something that also can kind of be pointed out is um, one of my friends pointed this out to me too is that Sabrina always tries to have her cake and eat it too. She's always trying to have things her way and she gets a bit meddlesome a lot of times. Like these, You see all these things happening. Of course, she's the central character of the show and that's all good and well. But she kind of comes across like this little busybody, like... I mean, 16-year-old girl. Right? So I, I can, so I can, I can see what they're doing that. too, but at some points it's kind of like... This has got nothing to do with you. Fucking yeah, leave it alone. Leave it you know alone. I mean? Stop it. Yeah. Like, you, That's it. You <laughs> you've already got enough heat everything. on you as it is. That, Pe- that, people yeah, already fucking hate you. That definitely happens a lot where mm. she's like, she's already got three things on the go. And it's like, oh, I'll fix these two other things. Like, no, fix the three things you're already working on. Yeah. Then. Or just, you know, just stay out of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but again, like, it's teenage, teenage yeah. scatterbrain, like, you think you can fix everything. You think you've got the answers to all life's problems because I'm turning yeah. 16. I'm an adult now. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really. But for the most part, I really enjoyed it. And I'm very keen to see where it goes from here because I. I was led to believe these first two seasons were greenlit from the get-go, but only recently, I think, maybe after the Christmas special, they came out and said that... they Season two was good to go. Yeah, yeah. and they said that seasons three and four have got the go-ahead. That's it, because um, I think they've already filmed season two yeah. completely as well, which is which is fantastic. So it's uh, I, I'm guessing it's quite popular. I've, I've known a lot of my friends have watched it, and for the most part, people have enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, um, like you were saying before we started recording, the Rotten Tomatoes re- um, rating is massively high. Like mm-hmm. I think it's in the 90s, which, which, is, yeah, which is crazy for a TV show. Um, take I'm, Rotten Tomatoes as what you will, but well, yeah. This is it. Um, take IMDb for what you will, because even just a quick scroll through earlier this, mo- earlier this morning, um, there was like 2 out of 10s, 3 out of 10s and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, that's... That's a bit much. Like I would never go that far. It feels like oh, people definitely are, not. feels like people are reacting with an agenda kind of thing. Okay. But what do I know? Yeah, I mean, like. What, do you I don't, know, I don't get what sort of things are they picking at? Uh, a lot of it was picking on Susie the character, which I thought was ridiculous, and that's when you can tell people are just mm. coming in with a curmudgeonly kind of aspect. And I think 
just the fact that it's such a such a strong female lead character and a, a strongly female presence. Mm. There's a lot of those kind of dickhead trolls sort, well, sort of types. I mean, it's one of those things at this day and age with the whole sort of um, non-binary and different sort of, uh, you know, gender uh, issues and stuff. Some people are so, oh, just so staunchly against it all that that could be the one sort of defining factor of making people go, oh, no, this is, this is shit, which I just think is bloody ridiculous. It's a stupidly stubborn way of looking at things. The fact of the it? matter is this is, a, this is a real thing this day and age and these people being teenagers, it actually makes more sense to have this a part of the show, yeah. which I thought was, was good for them to include that Absolutely. because it's something that would be a factor for you know teenage people and I'm assuming the people that are dead against it are yeah, that's probably it. Like, a I'm, lot older. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of you know a few years removed from my teenage years now, but... I'm sure lo- looking at the people around and the people who come into the shop and that sort of thing, these are the kind of issues they deal with on a daily basis. So, so why not add it into a show with teenagers? Not? Exactly. Yeah, I, why would I, you not? Yeah. So, okay. And I mean, obviously people just may not have liked it for whatever reasons as well. Fair play. People thing. are entitled to their opinions, but at least come at, come at it from the real from the real perspective, not just because you have an agenda, I think. But, mm. you know, that's just my two cents. But yeah, Doug, Doug the acting, Doug the character work, like the aunties, Ambrose, uh, Sabrina herself, the, the, the high priest, the mm. Wardwell, all these people just, just, just done so well. Yeah, and I, uh, one thing that really boils down for a show like this, I had fun watching it. Lots like, of I fun. Really, I yeah. really enjoyed myself while I was watching it. I didn't sit there kind of checking my watch and going, oh, another episode. I'm so mm. sick of this. I'm like, no, I want more. And I'm very excited that the Christmas specials come through now. I'm very excited for season two to drop in April. Um, yeah, I had a blast. And, and only only 10 episodes. It's it's not, not too much change, of a stretch. Absolutely. So I hope they keep it, keep it at 10. I think so. I think that's the way to go for this kind of show. Like mm. any any more is too much, any less, and you might be kind of leaving the story a little bit short. So I think 10 is a ten is a good safe number for this kind of stuff. All right, we're going to rate this out of five. We do. What are you thinking? I'm going three. I'm going four. Okay. I, I think four is, four is a pretty safe number. I enjoyed it. I'm keen to see more. Um, I think just knowing the comic background of it as well, like seeing how well they've adapted from something that could, something that started off as a very sort of 60s Hammer Horror influenced kind of, sh- kind of comic mm-hmm. and then being able to modernize it to the level where, like you said, they've been able to touch on real world issues but not shoehorn it into a point where it's going to look dated in 15 years. Yeah. Also, the whole sort of uh, gender issue in that with that character, it is not jammed down your throat either. No, it's no. quite minuscule in That's the grand it. scheme like, of things It's something as that well. happens while they're in it's high school and then they go off and do like 7,000 yeah. other things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, oh, like to give it a 2.5 would be just dead average. I thought it was above average, yep. but I wouldn't quite give it a four. I just kind of found there was sort of points of it that kind of felt a bit like filler. Bits that were kind of like, I guess, a little bit annoying in parts and um, just some of the things I was kind of like, oh, look, it's it's good, but it's not like, fuck, this is the best thing I've seen. Yeah. So I, I figured three was kind of safe enough for me is that it was enjoyable. I want more. I think it definitely has room to grow and we kind of, I guess because it's majority of it as well, it's kind of an origin story. Like I've been, I've been dissuaded from doing decimal kind of um, ratings out of five. If I was going to, I'd probably be closer to a 3.75. But if I start doing that, then this shit's going to get real wacky. <laughs> I'd go halves, like maybe, maybe like three and a half or something. But no, I'll stick with a three, but that, that's not to not to shit on it because I, I did really enjoy it. And um, if you're into like sort of horror sort of stuff, or at least things with horror leanings, um, yeah, I think yeah. I think for if you're a hardcore horror kind of person, you'll find plenty of stuff in this to enjoy. If you're not, it'll be just horror-y enough. It really walks that line quite well. I think so. Yeah, yeah it's I, not too I much on it. either side. Definitely. Yeah. For better or for worse. Yeah. Yeah. I dug it. Yeah, definitely. Um, final final thoughts. Any anything you anything you want to add in? Um, I'd just say if you're unsure, give it a chance. I reckon um, give it those first three episodes. Yeah, I'd say if you're going to watch it, at least do two episode blocks yeah. for it to give it a chance to kind of really sink in for yourself. 
Yeah, I think if you if you're not on board by the third episode, just stop because I pretty much from there it's it, it only keeps going more of what you've seen, and if anything, it gets better from there. So you can kind of make up your mind there if you're a little unsure. Because like you said, prior to you sort of saying to me about this show, I probably wouldn't have gone out of my way to watch it. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. And I was one over and really enjoyed it. So there thumbs up. It's all we can ask for really, isn't yeah. it? Give it a shot. Give give Sabrina just, a shot. Give her a chance. Yeah. Uh, keen as hell for season two. So obviously start of a new year. What are we What are we looking forward to this year? We've got a whole bunch of stuff on the on the, on the, on the blower to come. Uh, Deadly Class drops on television on January 16th. There is no chance in hell that Adam and I will not be doing an episode the pilot has come out we have seen it so good really bloody good and now once again i guess kind of like this sabrina podcast we've done you uh read deadly class you're actually wearing a deadly class shirt as we do this i'm a i'm a zealot for deadly class the comic i if anyone asks me for a new comic to try it's one of the first things i recommend i read the issues as soon as they come out i own merchandise i own every cover that they've done for it i'm a bit of a fanatic for it so whereas you my friend have not read it yet i've not read one single issue when remenda joined up and started doing image titles i think he started off with three deadly class black science and low am i correct the other two i did low and i did i did um black science in trade form low is one of my favorite comics and it hasn't been out for a while now either i absolutely love it to death and i kind of feel like i've missed the boat with deadly class that i really should have got that instead because it seems like it's a lot better than black science which isn't too bad which is still a good book yeah Yeah. but deadly class i think um if you're already getting your sci-fi fix from low i think deadly class scratches a very different kind of i mean i even got um tokyo ghost which he did as well which was so good yeah it was really good but like remenda's (laughs) marvel i find remenda's marvel stuff to be a little hit and miss but his image stuff has just been fucking 10 out of 10 yeah he tends to bring his a game when he's working on the image side of things he's a bit jeff lemire in that kind of way yeah but um this this pilot if it's anything to go by this show is going to be absolutely tremendous great great actors awesome characters henry fucking rollins yeah boy yeah Yeah. um of course uh mid-january we get punisher season two that's correct i think actually on the same day as this debuts uh, January 16th giddy up um, Star Trek Discovery season 2 will be dropping on then as well I know uh, Jay is very keen to do another episode on Star Trek when that drops I'm as sure well will. Um, we've got the boys dropping sometime later this year as well uh, this is a big one for us too because we've both read the entire run of the yeah, boys and like, we're both huge <laughs> if you well. heard our Punisher podcast you'd know how much we love Garth Ennis and this is, this is quite possibly Garth Ennis's finest work would you go as far to say that I'd say it's up there with Punisher Max is probably the best thing he's written yeah. I like, and probably Preacher as well that's the holy triumvirate it's just uh, it's up there with some of the best stuff I've ever read the boys and uh, we'll just please be good Please don't suck. Yeah. I will be very upset. What's the, uh, is, is there going to be another Marvel Netflix this year? We've got Jessica Jones season three, I think, still to come as well. And then that'll be that'll be it for the Marvel Netflix stuff until, until the Disney Plus Disney takeover Plus, is yeah. locked I'm, in. Yeah, I'm really... Look, Jessica Jones 2 was good. Three, I'm just wondering if they're just going to bite off a bit more than they can chew. Well, I wonder if this is going to be them finally kind of rolling it back towards her and Luke Cage. Hope so. Seeing as we don't have a Luke Cage season three to look forward to now. Yeah, I just... We shall see, I suppose. Yeah, there's a lot of grey area. We don't quite know the whole... Because they haven't come out and announced any of the deal. We know that they've obviously cancelled Luke Cage. They've cancelled Iron Fist. They've cancelled Daredevil. And that was when I was like, okay, something's Something's fucking up up here. Because obviously season three of Daredevil like rated its balls off. Exactly. Uh, It was... Tremendous. And, and it was fantastic. Yeah. That was the main thing. So they must have some plans in the works. We will be keeping abreast of that ourselves and we will keep you all abreast as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be a huge year here mm. at Sounds Like Comics. There's a ton of stuff coming through. Um, Probably stuff we don't even know about yet. Exactly. If you've got things, you, you know, things you're keeping an eye out for, things you want us to do a review on, by all means, drop us a line. Um, hit us in the comments, the direct messages, all that kind of good stuff. 
we always want to be aware of what's coming out. You know, if you want a particular person on a particular episode, by all means, drop the request in. We'll see what we can do for that. Um, make sure you tune into uh, Rewind and Review at that Film Stew podcast. Um, I know the Film Stew guys have got a whole bunch of stuff in the works now that they're back to their regu- regular schedule as well. Um, but as always, uh, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate your support. 2019 is looking like a massive year for everyone here. Um, we hope you stick with us. Uh, I've been Gareth. I'm Adam. We'll catch you soon. See ya.